Grace Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Okay, well, we are going to continue in our series on the church in Acts. This is part three this morning. Um, I mentioned the very first week that there was a lot of ground that we were going to um, cover during the course of this series. And so we've already talked about the church's origin and mission. That was kind of week one. And then last Sunday, we talked about the messengers, those early messengers in the church, and that we have all called to be to be messengers, carriers of the good news. And so we talked about the messengers and the message that we see that the early church carried and that we are now called to carry forward. And so who we are in Christ matters and being prepared and ready to, to communicate well the good news of Jesus to everyone in need. So that's the ground we've covered so far. Now, I mentioned the first week, and I think I maybe even mentioned it again last week, that we, we cannot, when we talk about the practical side of who we are as the church, what our mission is, what the message is. Um, we are never meant to do any of that apart from the unique role of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. And so now this morning, we are gonna talk about another thing that was incredibly unique, not only to the church in Acts, but it is the unique thing about the church globally, historically, in the previous 2,000 years and however many years that remain until Christ returns, and it's the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we're gonna talk about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit this morning. So let's pray, and I just wanna encourage you um, as we move into this, be open to if there's something the Lord wants to do in your heart that's new and unique, be open to that. Um, but also invite the Lord just to, just to remind you and encourage you of his presence in your life. You know, if talking about the Holy Spirit and being aware of his presence and activity in your life, if that's familiar to you, great. We were praying this morning. I think, mom, did you pray about the, the verse that talks about stirring up the gift that's in you? Listen, if this is familiar territory, let's invite the Lord to stir up in us what he wants to do in our hearts and lives. But if this is maybe a little bit of new territory for you, listen to what the scripture has to say and even more, listen to, to the Lord's voice through the word to invite us to experience everything that he has for us. He wants us to walk in real, vibrant relationship with him. And the Holy Spirit plays a unique role in that. So let's invite the Lord to talk to us and then we'll jump, jump into this. So Lord, one more time, we just come before you and we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you that you're with us when we gather together in community. But Lord, we thank you that you have poured out your spirit that he, he is available, the Holy Spirit is available to every single one of us. Jesus, you even told us that it was to our benefit that you returned to the Father so that we could receive the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. And so God, would you come and be our teacher, be our guide? Lord, would you show us the things you, you want us, that you have invited us into, that you want us to experience and enjoy that is uniquely found in your presence? We love you, we worship you, and we just say yes to what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Amen. All right, so as we, as we jump into this, I just wanna make it really clear, like Jesus promised us that the Holy Spirit was gonna come and he told us that the Holy Spirit's presence was vitally important. So I never wanna take for granted that we see this in the scripture. So Luke records this in the first part of Acts, in Acts chapter one, um, in verses four and five, while Jesus is, is still present with the disciples right before his ascension into heaven, um, he had this dialogue with them. Acts chapter one, verses four and five. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me. So this wasn't even the first time they'd heard about it. He said, you've heard me say this before for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. All of the instructions that Jesus had given them, the mission of the church, the message of the church, all the things he wanted to do in and through the lives of his disciples, he said, don't even start until you've received the promise of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we, we've got to understand that reality in our lives. To walk out what God has for me as a follower of Jesus, as a member of his church globally, as a member of this church community here, like I shouldn't take a step forward without the presence of God's spirit in my life. And so Jesus said, hey, I've already told you about this. Well, we have another example of that in John's gospel. And I would highly encourage you to be familiar with John chapters 14 through 17. Jesus has an in-depth dialogue and prayer time with his disciples on his last night with them before he died. And so I wanna just read a, a little bit of this um, from John chapter 14 and then again in John chapter 16. This is all one large conversation where he is talking to them about the Holy Spirit's role. So this is John chapter 14, verses 16 and seven. I'm gonna immediately skip to chapter 16, verse seven. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is a unique gift to the church. He's a unique gift. And Jesus said, I'm, I'm gonna pray that the Father sends this gift and he will, and he's gonna be with you forever. He's not just gonna be like with you, like around you. He's gonna dwell within you. Chapter 16 now, verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I did not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Friends, this is a radical promise that if we could insert ourselves back into that time frame, had to have been mind-blowing. It should still be mind-blowing to us today that God wants to come and reside in us. But it was mind-blowing to these guys. The presence of God was was kind of uniquely like he'd, he'd pop in and show up and communicate with people throughout the Old Testament in some unique ways. But really, if you want to be in the presence of God, like the temple was where his presence resided. In that special place, the tent of meeting, the Holy of Holies, like that was the place where God's presence resided, was in the temple. And Jesus is now making a radical promise to his followers saying, 
The God who's in that temple, he's gonna come and make his home now in you. You are becoming that temple. Amen. Glory to God. And by the way, amen doesn't just mean I'm excited about that. It means so be it. I agree. I want that. The presence of God in my life. It's a beautiful promise from God. So what I wanna do is, this isn't gonna be... um, Like we could spend weeks unpacking the significance of this. We're not gonna do that. But I wanna give us a sense of why this is such an incredible big deal that we are now called the temple of God and that his presence comes and resides in us. So we're gonna start by looking at the old temple for a couple of minutes together. The old temple in the Old Testament. And then we're gonna take a look at why that is significant for us today as a believer, as the body of Christ, as the temple where he now resides. And so let's start off with this. Old Testament, Old Covenant. When we see this, there's this this physical place that gets created that is meant to house the presence of God and it's meant to be the place of worship. And there's sacrifice that is heavily involved for the people to be cleansed and purified of sin and to even be able to experience the presence of God. And, And all of this is significant, but it's meant to be a picture of God's ultimate plan. And so the first thing we see is the tabernacle of Moses. And so in Exodus chapter 40, you could read that entire chapter and it gives a very good description of all the elements of the temple. But I want you to see what's happened here. Moses and Aaron, they did their part to do what God had said. They prepared a place with specific instructions built exactly the way God asked it to be built and designed. Here's the elements that lead into the temple. Here's the elements once you come inside. Here's what's in the very holy of holies behind that sacred veil, curtain. And it was all made and prepared by their hands like they participated in this. They created this space and then in Exodus 40, verses 34 and 35, we see this. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. They did their part to prepare a place, but the thing that was powerful and unique is that God showed up and said, I am right here with you. And he came in power in all of his glory. And it was so heavy, like Moses couldn't even go in. The presence of God showed up in the tabernacle. Fast forward through a lot of history and wilderness wanderings and getting settled into the promised land and and the kingship has now been established and David had a huge desire in his heart to build a more permanent home. Like this tabernacle was designed to be moved around as they traveled from place to place as they awaited their home in the promised land. And now David had this this vision and design and idea to build a temple for God. And God said, no, you're not gonna do it. Your son will. And so Solomon follows this blueprint and builds a temple for God, puts all of the different elements in place as God designed. He got it ready. He made the space prepared. And then again, we see by following God's design and order, and creating a space for him to come and be in their presence, 
we see a very similar picture now in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. And when the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Again, God's presence shows up in his temple. Friends, God's heart and his design all along is that we would be familiar with his presence in our lives. You know, we talk about the fall back in the garden. We focus on how difficult everything got after that, and rightly so. Sin enters the world. Brokenness enters even at the level of nature, like it becomes difficult just to live in this world. We have to work just to even produce something out of the ground. There is, there is difficulty. But friends, I fear sometimes we forget the biggest thing we lost in the garden. It was the familiarity with the presence of God, that deep communion and connection with him. Adam and Eve got to walk with him in the garden. They got to experience just that, that daily sense of his active presence in the garden. And where sin came and separated and destroyed and it made things difficult, it cut us off from the very thing we were designed to experience, the presence of God in our lives. He made us for this. And so God gives these very specific instructions to make it clear, like, my presence is supposed to be with you. And this temple represents all of these, these processes, these things that had to happen to, to make space for him to come and be with them. And so I want to give you a sense of the result of God's presence being with his people here in the Old Testament. The first thing we see is what I was just talking about. The presence of God filled the dwelling place. In Exodus chapter 25, verse eight, God's giving very specific instructions before, before the building of the tabernacle. And he says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. There were all of these elements to the sanctuary. There were all these pieces to the design. And then there were all of these rituals, sacrifices, routines that the priests and the people were gonna go through that represented the need for cleansing, that represented the need for a blood sacrifice. But all of those things, all of those elements, they weren't the purpose. The purpose was just simply that I may dwell in their midst. Our sin and our brokenness had to be dealt with but God's desire was that they'd be dealt with so we could experience the power and the beauty of his presence in our lives. And so that's the purpose of it. The result, the presence of God filled the dwelling place. Not only that, there was something God wanted to do and that was to make his people in his likeness. God wanted his people to be holy, consecrated, set apart. This, this whole system of sacrifices was, was to get after this idea that we need to be made clean. And so I want to give you a glimpse of this. So first of all, when the tabernacle is first built, there's some just initial things that they do to kind of consecrate and make the space holy. And so we get a glimpse of this here in Exodus 40, where we were already reading. Uh, I want to read just verses 9 and then 12 and 13 to give us a sense of this. The place being made holy, 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 hol
Then you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it and consecrate it and all its furniture so that it may become holy. So prepare the place, consecrate it, anoint it. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and shall wash them with water and put on Aaron the holy garments and you shall anoint him and consecrate him that he may serve me as a priest. So there was this initial just with anointing oil, washing, just this picture of like, this is something special, sacred, holy. Somehow we've taken the idea of holy and turned it into like meaning like stuffy, rigid, rule following. Holy is about something precious, special, unique. A gift that God has for us. The gift of his presence. And he says, hey, for for you to to experience and house the beauty of my presence and enjoy this unique gift, like you're gonna be different. <laughs> this, is, this is now uncommon and unique in the world as a result of the fall and sin and separation. Will you choose to be set apart as my people? Will you choose to set apart this place? Will your priests choose to be set apart to perform what needs to be performed? And so they consecrated the place. And then, then that place was gonna be utilized as a continual picture of the cleansing that needed to happen for God's people as a result of their sin and their struggle along the way. And so we get a glimpse of this. It's just one picture taken from the description of the Day of Atonement found in Leviticus now, chapter 16, verse 30 and 33. Y'all didn't know you were getting like an old school Bible lesson this morning, did you? Leviticus, I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> Come on, there you go. Uh, Verse 30, Leviticus chapter 16. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. Verse 33, he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary and he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar and he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. This is describing the process that the high priest and the people would go through where this this blood sacrifice would be made for everything, to cleanse everything. The temple, the people, the priest himself, even to be able to experience the presence of God. Like sin is that big a deal. It separates us from the beauty and majesty of being connected with God in right relationship with him, enjoying his presence enjoying the beauty of his glory. Like it's a beautiful thing to to partake in his likeness. Like I I don't think we stop often enough and just go, God, I'm made in your image. Like you you love me and you put your, your stamp on me. Like man, as a dad, one of the most powerful ways I've I've ever experienced is just holding my, my newborn child and like seeing elements of my wife's face, elements of my face and going, this is incredible. This life bears a little bit of my image and the way the Lord's used that to give me a sense of like the joy he has in creating us and, and putting his imprint on us. 
And then saying, I long for intimacy and connection with you. I want you to experience the joy of being in my presence and the joy of of being like me, made in his likeness. And so we get to experience his presence. We get to experience his likeness. We see this picture in the Old Testament. And thirdly, like when the presence of God shows up, we get to experience his presence. We get to be kind of remade and renewed into his likeness. And we get to experience his power, his power. Exodus 40 again, verses 36 through 38. The presence of God shows up in the tabernacle and here's the result. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire was in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. The presence of God moved in power, even to the level of giving them clarity and direction over and over again, throughout all of their wanderings, their difficulty. Listen, like they're in the wilderness because they messed up. They're wandering around the wilderness because they blew it. And they're struggling through that difficulty of wilderness living. And yet God's saying, I'm with you. I'm present with you. I'm renewing you. I'm shaping you into my people who are holy and set apart. I want you to enjoy my presence and my power is here to guide and direct you every step of the way. The reason we're stopping to look at this Old Testament picture, this is just a taste of it, guys. Like we could go through all of the different elements of the temple and the power of what all those things represent. We could look historically at the ways that God's presence continue to move throughout Old Testament times, but I just want you to have this sense of the significance of the temple of God because now, listen, this should be radical as Jesus is saying, you're now that temple. You're now that place where the beauty of the presence of God wants to come and reside. You're this beautiful creation that he's made where he wants to to cleanse and refine and redeem you, make us into his image and experience the power of God leading and guiding us through our everyday lives and our wandering here and now. And so now I wanna move into the new temple, the new covenant that is fulfilled and perfected by Jesus. Listen, I don't want you to just take my word for it this morning. This is who we are. I want you to see a picture of this. Look at what Jesus did for us on the cross. Matthew chapter 27 Verse 50 and 51, as he's breathing his last breath, Jesus cried out again and with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit. And what happened the minute he finished his work on the cross? Verse 51, behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The old system of ongoing sacrifices had been dealt with once and for all in Jesus. The ultimate sacrifice paves the way. The veil is torn, meaning come on in. You're welcome into the presence of God. It's no longer confined to that place in that temple. Jesus paved the way for us now to be the temple. He is the perfect sacrifice that gives us access to the presence of God. 
we get a beautiful picture of him refining us. Um, in Ephesians chapter five, you know, we look at this passage often looking at the relationship between husband and wives, but Paul makes it clear in his letter to the Ephesians here, like this is a glimpse of the beauty of what God has done for us, his people. Look at this description, Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. What Moses did in part, what Solomon did in part, Jesus did in full. He came as priest. He came as king. He gave his body as the ultimate temple sacrifice. He did the whole work. And friends, I fear part of what we get caught up in as believers is like, we focus on trying to get the temple clean. Like following Jesus means I gotta get the temple clean now. No, he has done the work. His precious blood has washed and purified us and made us clean. He's consecrated us. He's made us holy. He's made us able now to house the very presence of God. What a gift. Guys, let's not just confine the message of salvation to be about dealing with my sin as huge as that is. He dealt with my sin so that I could receive and enjoy the presence of God. This isn't just about get out of hell free card. (laughs) It is a good card and I'm grateful for the get out of hell free card but it's also the get into heaven. Enjoy the presence of God. Enjoy his abundant life right here, right now. Friends, as followers of Jesus, heaven is an eternal extension of what we already get to begin to experience now. The presence of God in our lives, as we already read earlier, forever. The gift of the Holy Spirit to be with us forever. The presence of the Holy Spirit being in our lives now, it's a gift and a taste of heaven while we're still here on earth. So while I may still be going through my current, present wilderness wanderings, my struggles, my hurts, my pain, the very presence of God is meant to come with me along the way. And so we looked at the Old Testament results of the presence and the likeness, and the power. Look at the New Testament results as his people, as being the temple of God that houses his presence. Look at the picture that we have. We see this all through Acts now. I'll give you just a sense of each of these three areas, the presence of Jesus in our lives. Well, the first example we see is when the Holy Spirit first shows up in the upper room. Some people gather together as his people, and they have a prayer service. And guess what happens when God's people come together trusting him to show up and they pray together? He shows up and they experience his presence. Acts 2, 1 through 4. 
When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. God showed up in that place amongst the people. He not only filled the house with his presence, but as we continue on, verse three, and divided tongues as the fire appeared to rest to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The people of God were filled with the presence of God. Friends, this isn't limited to just this one-time prayer gathering. Read through the book of Acts. This was happening over and over and over again. As people were introduced to Jesus Christ as their Savior and they were told about the gift of the Holy Spirit, people were filled over and over again with the presence of God. Impactful, life-changing, God's presence with his people. Second picture, the likeness of Jesus. I, I've, this is one of my favorite verses in all the scripture. I love this. Peter and John, they've, they've, they're changed men because of the presence of God in their lives. People who've been running, hiding, scared, denying Jesus, afraid, now are bold and preaching. And they've just seen a man who's been lame his whole life. And in Jesus' name, they've looked at this man and told him to rise up and walk and he's been healed. And they're now being asked about, how are you doing this and by what authority and what's going on in your lives? And the skeptics who want to shut this down, listen to them, observe them, look at their lives. And then the skeptics who hate Jesus, who killed him, who are trying to stop what Peter and John are doing, they look at them and this is how they see them. Acts 4, 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. This is what God does. He takes the common, ordinary, uneducated people that we are and he shapes and molds us into his very likeness. What was unique about Peter and John? They'd been with Jesus. They were filled with the presence of God and even enemies of God took note. They took note. This is the power of, pre of the presence of God in our lives. Like when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, we're talking about enjoying the presence of God. He can be with me. I can gather with a few friends, have a prayer meeting in a living room, and he's going to show up and be with me. He shows up in my life personally, individually, and he's, he's changing me. The presence of God is at work in my life to change me, to heal areas of brokenness. Imperfect as I am, common as I am, he makes me holy and set apart because of his unique work in my life. I get made into his likeness and image. One other example, the power. Jesus made this clear. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. 
See, everything we've talked about up to this point, the ability to carry forward the mission of the church, the ability to carry forward his message, to be his representative. That's what a witness is. In his likeness, his representative, the power to fulfill our mission as the people of God comes through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Listen, there's some beautiful, unique, supernatural, mysterious elements to the Spirit's presence in our life. But his power in our lives was was meant to be the most natural thing about us. God made us to house his presence. Friends, I want to encourage you Like being filled with the Holy Spirit is not this kind of just unique, special thing for like those super Christians over there or some weird, bizarre thing to be scared of. It's the very gift that Jesus intended for us to receive in our lives. That no matter what season I'm in, no matter what I'm going through, that I can rely upon the fact that God's presence is with me. And that through all my struggles and failings and difficulties on the, on the way, he hasn't given up on me and he is at work transforming, changing me, healing me, making me new, making me into his likeness. And he's operating in power in my life to provide whatever is needed so that the mission of the church can be fulfilled. Remember what the mission of the church was? To love God. God gives us the very power we need to love and enjoy him. The mission of the church is to walk in unity with one another, to love each other well. The Holy Spirit shows up to give us the power through our hurts and wounding that's gonna happen along the way as imperfect people to empower us to walk in love and in unity with one another. And then ultimately we're called to share that love with the world in need. And so the Holy Spirit will empower us to do that. Maybe there's some unique way that God wants to touch somebody's life by bringing physical healing into their life. The Holy Spirit will work in power to do just that. Maybe somebody needs a touch emotionally. That's just that tender, loving, gentle touch that Jesus has. The Holy Spirit will work to do that. Maybe somebody needs to hear a message from God that's personal and powerful and unique to right where they're at. He'll speak prophetically through us to touch somebody's life. This isn't about like, oh, I want to get the power of the Holy Spirit so I can do some really cool, like, you know, superhero stuff. Or, man, I've seen some people do some really weird stuff and I'm not sure about that. I'm scared of it. No. God intended for us to experience his presence. It's life-giving. And it's empowering to meet needs when and how they need to be met. It's the gift of the presence of God. I wanna look at one final passage this morning just to help us find some some personal application. How can we begin to walk this out? And then I wanna encourage you beyond just this story this morning, as we're we're moving through our, our discipleship series this year, Um, When we begin to move into October, we're gonna talk about the advancement of the kingdom, kind of carrying the message of the kingdom. And then when we get into November, we're gonna talk about the gifts of the spirit. And so we're gonna continue to build on this. So we're not done talking about the Holy Spirit this morning, okay? We're gonna talk about his gifts operating in our life. But I I wanna encourage you, let's, let's begin enjoying, fostering, this gift of the presence of God in our lives.
If it's a new territory, let's say yes and amen to the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. And if, if we're already walking with him, let's lean in. Let's cultivate the joy of his presence. Let's surrender to him, to yield to him, making us into his image and likeness. Let's invite him to move in power in our lives so that we can love God, walk in unity with one another, and impact this world for his kingdom. So I, I'm hoping this story can give us a glimpse of, of what this can look like. I love this story because it happens in the midst of real life difficulty. Real life difficulty. So in the book of Acts, we come across this story in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas have been put in prison in Philippi. This is, the, this is the place where the church of the Philippians is born. So that letter to the Philippians was written to this very town of people. And so we get this story of Paul and Silas. They've brought the gospel there and they've been imprisoned. And so in Acts 16, verses 25 to 31, I want you to watch for the presence of God with them. I want you to watch for his likeness shining through them. And I want you to watch for his powerful activity, the three things we've been talking about that come with the Holy Spirit's presence. His presence with them anywhere. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Friends, the beauty of us being the temple of God means his temple has now become mobile. Anywhere I go, whatever circumstance I find myself in, his presence goes with me. And so here are Paul and Silas in prison and they look around and go, you know what this looks like to me? This looks like a place of worship. This looks like a place where we can be in the presence of Jesus. And so let's do just that right here, right now. And they chose to worship him in prison. And so they sang hymns and they worshiped him and God's presence was there with them. Friends, whatever season we find ourselves in, whatever specific daily circumstance we find ourselves in. Because we are the temple of God, we carry his presence wherever we go. Church can happen right there because we're the church. Listen, this is great. And he encourages us to do this, to gather together. There's something beautiful about all of his people coming together with his presence in us and coming into one place and watching what he'll do in our midst as we sing and as we worship him. But friends, we carry his presence wherever we go. You're having a rough Tuesday afternoon? Stop and remember that even right there in the difficulty of that moment, he's with you and he's present. Stop, 
pray, worship, enjoy his presence right there with you. His likeness is being cultivated in us wherever we go. I love this. They're reflecting him to everyone around them. They're in prison worshiping Jesus and all the other prisoners take note. Like something's different about these guys. And then the jailer, like not only the fellow prisoners who are there with them, but the very person who has them imprisoned. Their very enemy in that moment gets to see a glimpse of the likeness of Jesus and says, I need some of that. When we're getting made new in the midst of life circumstances, like friends, we live around people who they're struggling. When I'm going through my own hurt, my own difficulty, my own struggle, I'm surrounded by other people who are doing the same. But because we carry the presence of God with us, people can see his likeness in us, even in our difficulty, even in our struggle. We bear his image. And then I love this. His power is present. What, what's cool about this story is like, we see his power touching physical things. Like he breaks off chains. He, he literally sets the captive free in the most practical of terms. But we also see his power supernaturally to bring salvation to the very enemies of God. This jailer And this prison goes on to be saved, him and his entire household. A church is born in Philippi because of God's presence in his people, even in prison. Friends, this is what we have in us. I am now the temple of God, the place where his spirit resides. He's with me wherever I go. He is cultivating Christ's likeness in me. And his power is present to work in and through me to touch others' lives. Friends, everything we've been reading about over the course of these few weeks, I can participate in the fulfillment of the church's mission to love God and love people. I can carry his message because his presence is with me, helping me live it so that my life speaks the message of hope and empowering me to share it with whoever, whenever, however is needed, because I'm not alone. He's with me. I wanna encourage you in two ways this morning as I wrap things up. First of all, when I finish praying, I'm gonna purposely just kind of come sit and lean over here for five minutes or so. If there is any, any doubt in your mind that you have received the presence of the Holy Spirit into your life, I would love to talk with you about it and pray with you. We'll lay hands on you and invite the Holy Spirit to come and he'll immediately be with you and in you because God longs to answer that prayer and fill us. So if there's any doubt in your mind that you've ever been filled with the Holy Spirit, I would love to talk with you and pray with you this morning. That's number one. Number two, I wanna encourage you guys, if the Lord's stirring your heart this morning, you just feel that call to lean into this a little bit more, I wanna encourage you as a starting place. I already mentioned the passage earlier. I want you to open up John chapter 14 and John 14 through 17, Jesus' conversation and then prayer over the disciples, over his people about what it means to abide in him, to be filled with the spirit and to walk in loving relationship with one another. Like the whole picture of what the church is supposed to look like is right there. 
And so I'd encourage you just to kind of sit this week and soak up John 14 through 17 and then ask the Holy Spirit, would you do this in my life? God, is there even a way that you wanna highlight in my life how I can walk this out a little more intentionally, a little more purposefully? How can I yield to your presence in my life? And watch what he does as we give him that space to speak. All right, can we do that? Amen. What a gift. What a gift. The presence of God. He loves us. He's put his image upon us and he wants to fill us with his presence so we can enjoy him daily, forever. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your great love for us. Lord, we, we, we can and we do regularly on Sundays reflect on all of the ways that your love has touched our lives. The gift of your sacrifice to cleanse us, to purify us, to make us holy. Lord, thank you for this, this central idea, God, that you made us to house your presence. God, that we get to experience that nearness, that intimacy of your presence in our lives daily. God, that, that you take us as we are, just in our own common selves, uneducated as we may be, and yet you make us holy by your work in our lives. You're shaping and molding us into your image. And God, that we get to be carriers of your presence and therefore your power. God, that more and more we can learn to, to love you and to love each other well and to watch your power move through our lives to touch other people who need you. What a gift, Lord. God, would you help us to say yes to you and your presence daily in our lives? And would you help us to cultivate and enjoy this relationship that you invite us into? We love you. We worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen.